Welcome to a special edition of the Living Out Podcast. Today, I'm interviewed by someone else for change. Mark Tara is an LGBT content creator, recording artist, and the creator and the host of the gay radio show Rainbow Country, which is heard every Tuesday from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on CIUT 89.5 FM in Toronto. Now, I had met uh, Mark previously through a, a previous engagement, and he then invited me to come on a show and to talk about my my coaching, how I became a coach, why I offer my life coaching primarily to GBT men. We talked about my publication on Medium Think Queerly and of course this show, The Living Out Podcast, where it began, plans for the future. He had a lot of interesting and some very challenging questions about gender, my coming out story, gay male body image, trans issues, gay marriage, the distinct gay male gifts that I've talked about in previous podcasts from Ray Rigoglioso's book, drag kids on television, drag queens, and so much more. I think we covered nearly everything possible. So it was a really wonderful experience and an opportunity for someone else to ask me the questions and you know, to bring something different that I may not normally bring to a podcast when I'm sharing a specific idea. So there's a lot here. I hope that you enjoy the show as much as I did. Uh, There's about 10 minutes of some preamble at the beginning where Mark is talking about other things that he's doing. So if you want to jump right into the interview uh, after this point, fast forward about 10 minutes. Otherwise, sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Today on Rainbow Country, gay men's life coaching with publisher, podcaster, and life coach, Darren Steele. Stay tuned for Gay Talk Radio Toronto Style right here on Rainbow Country. Hi, I'm Garrett Conley, author of Boy Erased, a memoir. You're listening to Rainbow Country with Mark Tara on CIUT 89.5 FM. to call it a little gay radio show working to give voice to the LGBT community. And as always, I am your tour guide through Rainbow Country. So for all things Rainbow Country, make sure you check out the website marktara.com because everything is hooked up there, including the full two hour episodes. You'll find that under the the archives banner at marktara.com. So my friends, it's been a crazy, busy few weeks Uh, here in Toronto. We just celebrated Gay Pride Uh, in New York City. They celebrated World Pride. And I think at least in North America or maybe even possibly around the world, potentially, they recognized 50 years 
of blood, sweat, and tears when it comes to LGBT rights and equality and movement and all that sort of stuff with 50 years, the 50th anniversary of the Stonewall riots, uprising, whatever you want to call it. You know, it's interesting because if you go on to YouTube and you type in, you know, Stonewall uprising, Stonewall riots, that sort of thing, and you also put in documentary, you'll find some interesting, interesting documentaries that are out there. Fascinating. Fascinating. So in June, the second World LGBTQ Conference for Criminal Justice Professionals was held here in Toronto. The three-day conference was organized and hosted by Toronto Police Services and spearheaded by LGBT cop herself, Constable Danielle Botno. So I'm hoping I covered it. I'm hoping to bring you uh, the keynotes, bring you the panels, all that sort of good stuff in fall of 2019. I have to clear that with the powers that be at Toronto Police Services. and But I think it'll be okay. I think that it'll be okay. Just between you and me. But um, here's a little tidbit. The lead investigator when it comes to the Bruce MacArthur case, Detective Hank Exinga, he was on a panel. And that panel spoke for about three hours, that kind of thing. Talking about pride and police as well as the the serial killer Bruce MacArthur case. So stay tuned for that coming up in the fall of 2019. Hopefully, but I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure it'll happen. So my friends, this is episode 158. Today I spotlight gay men's life coach with life coach, Darren Steele, he's going to tell us all about his coaching practice, his publication, Think Queerly, as well as his podcast, Living Out. So my friends, this journey through rainbow country begins right now. Hi, I'm Mary John Tory, and you're listening to CIUT 89.5 FM. He's also a publisher. He is Darren Steele. Hi, how are you? I'm awesome. How are you, Mark? I'm good. First of all, I always say this, but I mean it sincerely. Thank you for being here with me in person. Thanks for taking time to be here with with me. It means a lot. Thank you. That's great. Thank you. You wear many hats. I do. Um, Let's start here. You are a life coach. First of all, what exactly is a life coach? Explain to me and the listeners what that means and what that ha- what enta- what that entails. Okay, coaching. I think for many people started in in the sports arena. That's usually where people think of just the word coach alone. And probably Tony Robbins is the person who brought 
coaching for, mm. you know, personal development, personal growth, overcoming, uh, whatever's blocking you, that sort of thing. He really brought that. It may not be totally him, but he really popularized it. Right. And then suddenly there were coaching organizations where maybe before there were more executive type coaches, business leaders that were going into corporations. And then that started to trickle down to individuals who said, hey, you know, I would like to have this kind of work in my own life, somebody that I can speak to and plan the future and figure out how I'm going to get there. So coming up with a word life coach. I mean, it's, uh, some people think that that sounds funny and I still think that sounds funny, but it's just a way of sort of designating the kind of work you're doing because mm -hmm. somebody might call them an executive coach because that is exactly what they're doing, going and working with CEOs or, right. or something like that. Do you do that at all in terms of the, the business side of things? No, that doesn't really interest me per se, although I've got one client who some of the work is around how she manages herself in a particular environment, um, dealing with, um, herself as a woman in an environment where it's mostly, mostly men who are a little bit more of the boys club okay. and how she's trying to go up in the ranks per mm -hmm. se. Um, but it's been much more about how um, she sees herself in that position, how she claims her space, how um, she deals more effectively with communication and less about, okay, here's the strategy for her to go from this position to that position. Would you say that you, part of being a life coach is being a therapist? Is that fair? It can feel like that to some people, to some clients, but not everyone. And I wouldn't there's a big difference between therapy and the different types of therapy, like uh, a psychologist or a psychotherapist. Mm -hmm. And it's really important as a coach not to try and cross into those boundaries where, where you're not effectively trained. Like I'm just thinking somebody that maybe, um, is, is challenged by, you know, drug addiction or, uh, things that really trigger a particular reactive, uh, emotional state. That's probably not the job for somebody who is, uh, generally speaking, called a coach. Um, and therapy is often dealing with the things in the past or perhaps mental health issues, right? Whereas coaching tends to be, here we are now, where do you want to go? So yeah, you might be dealing with things that are holding you back. Mm -hmm. It could be past behaviors and past habits and past patterns, or just not really believing in what you can accomplish. Mm -hmm. And then looking at the, the strategies or the solutions or the ways in which you can be more proactive. You deal primarily with gay men? That I would say is my niche. I mean, as a gay man, I, I feel an affinity uh, for being able to deal with other yeah. gay men. So. so when did that come about for you in regards mm -hmm. to getting into life coaching mm -hmm. and saying that you're going to hone in on coaching gay men? When, okay. Did you start out doing that from the get-go? Well, about 15 years ago, I started... Um, personal training. And then I moved into or added uh, nutrition and, and sort of wellness, overall mm -hmm. wellness. And I, you know, I've got that background from like a personal health perspective and I've got a chef training background from when I was like 19 or 20 years old. I went to chef school for a year. And then um, I was doing some studies with Precision Nutrition, uh, a company that um, 
does a lot of research and does some certifications. And they had a, a second level year long certification. It was pretty much 75, 80% coaching methodology and 25% nutrition because the, the certification that preceded it was just the nuts and bolts and the science of nutrition. And that really turned me on, so to speak, to, oh, wow, it's, it's the mind and how we think and our patterns and our behaviors and the things that are going to really help us affect change. So you could, you can go to the gym or you can put something on your plate, but if there's other things going on, like you don't know why you reach for that cake, well, there are aspects of coaching that could help you understand, oh, what is that behavior that makes mm -hmm. me always want to overeat or eat the thing that I would say is quote unquote wrong for me. And I was just getting to the end of the line of, of my interest in doing personal training. And I, I wasn't expressing something that was really important to me, my, my gay identity mm -hmm. and my, my queer identity. Um, and I, I knew I wanted to do something more. And so it was transitioning into working with people's mindset and then in any kind of business, you definitely want to niche yourself. You want to know who is your market, mm -hmm. but then you need to attach that to what is your message? What makes you unique? Well, <laughs> part of, and I think we'll get into this later, part of my whole um, life experience and work history and educational history has been about being gay or has been uh, queer research or, or that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. But when did you decide to just primarily focusing on gay men's coaching mm. specifically life coaching that was literally uh, you know from the end of the year over to the new year 2017 2018 i guess end of november 2017 and all of december i was working out in my head and working with a coach as well it's like okay i've i've got to find a way out of personal training i you know mm. i i like parts of it but what, what can I do? And then mm -hmm. I came up with this idea of like, ah, oh, I'm the queer coach because I was mm -hmm. just concurrently opening a new publication, um, that was focusing on LGBTQ issues. And so it started out as the queer coach, but then it moved into, no, it's all these things that I'm interested in, um, about my uniqueness, what makes me different as a human being, as a person come from my identity as a, you know, and full disclosure, I'm a white, cis, gay man, right? For people that need that, that level down of labeling, it's like, I'm 100% gay. Um, and I, I own that, but I'm also fascinated by what are those aspects of being a gay man, of, of, of being 53 and that just means an experience of having, um, grown up, uh, when, when AIDS didn't even have its name yet, mm -hmm. when I actually came out, like I, six months later, AIDS was called AIDS before that it was grid. And, and how do all those things influence who I've become? Right. So in regards to your coaching, do you see similarities or do you see major differences when it comes to gay men and their issues and potentially straight men and their issues? There is definitely some crossover and for straight men, it will depend. I, I've had an interesting a couple of weeks. I just did an interview with a fellow by the name of Mark Green um, and he's the author of Remaking Manhood and uh, the little book, the, the little book of Me Too for Men. So he focuses on, it's not his term, somebody came up with, it's called man box culture, but it's 
basically the patriarchy, the, the, the hegemonic patri- patriarchy. How do we see the world through the way in which men try and control things? And it's, of course, not all men, but how are things kept in line? How is the status quo kept in line? So we are not immune to that. Any of us, gay or not, but gay men certainly have their own challenges. For example, some gay men on dating apps will call themselves straight acting or they don't like the feminine and they don't know how to bridge that gap between the different energies of the masculine and femininity, let alone the ways of speaking or characteristics or physical mannerisms. Straight men have all those issues too. Like far, if you're a straight man <laughs> and you know it at heart, but you've got a little feminine characteristics in your mannerisms, so you know, Imagine the world for that straight man. Like, let's not forget about, let's not worry about privilege or anything, but like in the man box culture, mm-hmm. there's going to be some, some suffering for that person. And then in the gay world, we make it sometimes harder for ourselves. It's like, heaven forbid that some, you know, muscly white, you know, good looking gay man be limp wristed and have a high <laughs> voice. Like, yeah. Nothing wrong with that, but yeah. it's judged. Yeah. yeah, yeah, rightly or wrongly. Yeah, yeah. On that note, Darren Steele, let's take a break, and we'll be right back. Awesome. Hi, my name is Joanne Vanicola, and I'm an actor and a writer. And I was first on Rainbow Country with Mark Tara on CIUT 895FM, discussing the massacre at Pulse Club in, in Orlando. Um, I realized how important it was for our community to have a radio station, uh, specifically for our issues, to, to talk about people in, in the LGBTQ community and to provide a, an outlet for our stories, um, to discuss uh, our politics, culture, and give voice to the to the issues that matter to us, um, and of course our artists and and um, the things that we do globally and right here in Toronto, and, and talk about culture. And without people like Mark Tara providing a space for this with with a radio show like this, then uh, we wouldn't have that voice. So support, tune in. Thank you. So Steve D. Gay, producer and host of Toronto Song Project, um, you have an interesting look on your face. Like you want to ask me a question. What would it be? Yeah. Well, if I'm not around Tuesday at 11 to listen to the show, how do I hear it? The best way for people to, you know, listen to Rainbow Country after the fact is through the podcast, which is available on iTunes, Podomatic.com, Google Play Music, Stitcher Radio, and on Spotify. So people can subscribe. It's for free. And they'll never be without an episode of Rainbow Country. Steve Gay, it's just that simple. Amazing. So I just search Rainbow Country and there I am. Yes. Amazing. Hi, I'm Gord Depp of the Spoons. You're listening to Rainbow Country with Mark Tara on CRUT 89.5 FM. You are also a podcaster. 
Living Out is your podcast, the, the name of your podcast. What is Living, uh, living Out about? <laughs> living Out started as a couple of things and then suddenly... I, I kind of had this awakening epiphany of what it was really about. But to go right back to the beginning, um, early 2018, um, when I was transitioning queer coach into uh, a life coach for gay men, I thought I was going to do some sort of a program. I thought, oh, okay, I'm going to look at like, what are the challenges? What are the identities? What are the characteristics that, you know, gay men would want to talk about from a, a personal development, a self-improvement um, perspective? And I was making notes and I just kind of wasn't gelling. I didn't feel it. I didn't, I couldn't figure it out. My coach was telling me, awesome. She's a straight woman. She's like, Darren, but you're, you're gay. You know, all this stuff. I'm like, well, yeah, but <laughs> when you don't feel something, you know, you can only go so far with it. it so something hit me I'm like, well, I want to talk about it because I had been doing video for the previous year on Facebook, but I go long and you know, videos got to be like three minutes or less, unless it's a paid training. And it's like, I couldn't fit anything into shorts. I thought, well, I'll just get out my microphone and I'll use my phone and I'll record something. I'll put it up on SoundCloud. And I did two of those. I'm like, oh my God, this is great. Went out and bought the microphone, determined the name, the name living out I was already working with. I just got my hosting and bam, boom, bada, bing. And I did it. And I guess I went a few months once a week and then very quickly went to uh, twice a week. And um so that the thing that really hit me, I was in a, uh, a five-month coaching group called Gay Men of Wisdom um, uh, with a fellow by the name of uh, Raymond Rigoglioso, and he wrote the book Gay Men and the New Way Forward. And that was part of all this research because he writes about the 14 distinct gay male gifts, qualities that not all but many gay men exhibit, and he did a big research of all of the, uh, the literature. And we were talking about this section on forgiveness and can gay men forgive homophobia, not to condone it, but so we could go into it if you want, but I had this sort of real understanding that opened me up and I started talking more about these aspects that affect us as gay men in all of the subsequent podcasts and a lot more. I felt more uh, connected with the message that I had and that moved into use your difference to make a difference and now I just don't have enough days in the week to do podcasts, it seems. <laughs> so how often do you do, do you release a podcast? Uh, twice a week now. Okay. And so the topics that you're talking about are specifically what? Like gay men oriented? Primarily. So okay. there's always going to... Is it essentially an extension of your coaching? In many cases... Yes, you can think of it that way. Because the way I frame the beginning is I talk about, you know, LGBTQ, uh, issues of, of rights and freedoms, social justice and personal growth and mm -hmm. pull all those things together. But I speak from myself as a gay man. Mm -hmm. Um, so I can't speak for a lesbian. I can't speak for a trans person, for example. But what I talk about might transfer in part to someone's experience. So, you know, we all have something to share, mm -hmm. but we put it through our unique lens yeah. of how we look at the world. Mm -hmm. and, and that's what's really important. So the, I might be talking about something that relates to gay men from something that I've read or an experience I've had um, in this coaching program that I was a part of. Or, yeah, something I was working on with a client. Um, he was 
feeling like super exposed and he had shared too much with someone and he was feeling that like vulnerability hangover that Brene Brown will talk about. Um, so I brought without naming him and without sharing his entire experience, I just talked about, I had this experience with a client and here were some of the things that, you know, I, I helped him with. And here are some of the things that, for example, Brene Brown talks about. So even though I wasn't saying this was a gay man thing, mm -hmm. it was from a client who's gay. Mm -hmm. And then we bring it all together so that there's something that you can take from that podcast to relate most likely to something that's happened in your own life. Earlier in the segment, you were talking about, I, 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 I think being part of this group, but talking about 13 steps or 13, the 14 distinct gay male gifts, gay male gifts. Yeah. What, what is, what do you mean by gifts? So, um, cause I know a gift as a social media gifts, like, like something you would tie up in a bow. Oh, a gift. <laughs> okay. Sorry if I didn't say that okay. clear enough. Yeah. So 14 gay male gifts. I don't remember them all off the top of my head, but some of the examples are, um, so, Many gay men have an affinity with women. Okay. Uh, we have generally the object of the same physical sexual attraction, men. Man. But a lot of women feel more comfortable around gay men mm. because there isn't that sexual attraction. And sometimes there might be, right? But they feel safer to be able to talk about things uh, that they don't feel they can talk about with their straight, straight male partners. So can uh, we touch on briefly on some of the others? Yeah. So some other examples would be many gay men are keepers of culture and creativity. So look at all the artists and the dancers and the creators that we lost in the, in, in the, in the plague mm. in the eighties and the nineties that, and where does, where does this come from? Well, a lot of gay men have a, a greater attunement to sensuality and sex, and that's a real powerhouse to, for creativity, mm -hmm. right? Many gay men are drawn to service, be that coaching or personal training or massage. Many gay men are also drawn to aspects of spirituality, whether that be real religion mm -hmm. or whether that be like the radical fairies or something like that. So why are these called gifts? I said like a present or something. Yeah. Well, I mean, these, this is a term that Raymond Rigoglioso uses okay. and he calls it that, um, I guess because it's his observation, he went through a lot of the literature over the years from Harry Hay and, and up to different names. I can't remember, um, and to look at like the qualities or characteristics. So he decided to use the word gifts, okay. right? So. I sometimes use them as our unique insights. Mm -hmm. So if you're a trans person, you are going to have very interesting and unique insights into how you see the world right. and whether or not you had gender dysphoria and how mm -hmm. you hear and what people say and how you see what's in the media. Mm -hmm. And as a gay man, if you grew up in the closet, like I did when I was a teenager and you see and hear everything around you saying somehow blanket, mm -hmm. you're not good, you're not right, you're bad. Um, that forms kind of your identity. And then what parts of you as a gay man, for many gay men feel like, where do I fit in? And that's part of the gifts. Like, do you exhibit more of the feminine than your straight male friends? And so that the core gift of gay men is this more generous interplay or balancing between the masculine and the feminine energies and the characteristics that we can more easily. That's where camp comes from, for example, mm -hmm. right? Um, why do you, in, in your professional opinion, why do you think 
gay culture is so enamored by drag and drag queens and all this sort of stuff. Why do you think that is? That's a massive loaded question. But, uh, but in a nutshell. Yeah. In, a, in nutshell? a nutshell? Well, there's certainly the aspect of embracing the feminine mm-hmm. uh, for many gay men. Um, and I think what we're seeing now with so much of a different understanding of the fluidity of gender and that the, the binary is just a construct that doesn't need to exist anymore, um, that it, in all things, it can go too far so it's not pleasant. Mm-hmm. You know, when drag becomes sexist, that's a problem. You know, uh, but is there an aspect of drag where it's purely performative and it is putting, you know, the feminine and some of these female icons on a pedestal? Mm-hmm. That's something interesting to look at. I've never been quite, I, you know, I, I partake in it. I go see it sometimes. I've never been an active participant in mm-hmm. it. So it's still something. And that's the thing about all, all of us. Mm-hmm. We may not be embrace all of these different gifts, but we can understand them. Yeah. Yeah. There's something that I recently saw. I think it's a documentary called drag kids. Mm. And I don't know how I feel about this Mm. (laughs) because these are kids that are dressing up and they're, you know, basically walking the runway in a, in a sense, not literally, but you know, and I think, they did a, a documentary and I think it's called drag kids. Cause I saw a segment on TV mm-hmm. the other day and I don't know how I feel about that. Like kids dressing up and just being overtly to a certain degree, being sexualized in, in a fun campy kind of way. Right. There's and, definitely uh, a problem with the sexualization, especially if these kids are not, you know, in that period of their life. Yeah, but, I think and, I saw something in the news about that. And they're also like imitating, um, you know, certain phrases and certain actions that you will mm. see, you know, like grown, you know, drag queens and drag artists do that sort of thing. And it, it just seemed odd to me, mm-hmm. you know, it's like kids in those beauty pageants. Yeah. And when they're like on the stage and they're doing certain things, it just, to me, innately seems wrong Yeah, because they, they're trying to be adults yeah. and they're like, you know, 12 yeah. or 11. Yeah. So, but anyway, do you find that you are dealing with gay men and you were mentioning about in regards to trans and um, dysphoria, Mm. in regards to men and their image in regards to, I'm not sure what the proper term is, but dysphoria in regards to their image, they might think that they're Mm. too small too skinny and they need to build themselves up Mm -hmm. and it can go too far. Are you coming across that at all? I haven't come across that lately with, with, um, you know, current coaching clients in the, in the last uh, couple of years, Mm -hmm. I've seen that more when I was in the uh, personal training and fitness Mm -hmm. and my, my approach always with men, whether they were straight or gay was health first. You know, why are you doing this? Why are you coming to the gym? Why are you wanting to eat better or eat differently? Um, and if it's about, well, I want to put on like 20 pounds of muscle, let's just make something up, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, that's fine, but let's get to like the, the bigger reason for that. Like, let, let's really peel back the, the onion. And it may just be that, yeah, yeah, that's like, I've always wanted to do this. Well, yeah. great. 
But if there are some health implications, um, that, that, or if it's just about, well, I want to get laid and it's like, okay, well, maybe we need to talk about that a little bit more, but certainly, um, I don't think the term bigorexia, bigorexia has been, um, used too often. I think I haven't heard that term. That was more like late nineties, early two thousands. Um, there was, there was a really huge rise in steroids Mm -hmm. at least in the Toronto, uh, gay male community and in the, uh, nineties, Michelangelo Signorelli, Signorelli wrote about this in one of his books. Um, they were discovering, I guess this is before, um, the, the inhibitors and like the new line of drugs that actually stopped people from dying mm. of HIV. Mm-hmm. Um, doctors were administering DECA, like steroids to gay men because okay. the big problem was wasting. So if they could put on 20, 30 pounds of muscle, that gave them more life. Um, and then they were retiring to like South Beach, Miami, and they were just working out at the gym and the, and the, the sort of, uh, odd ironic joke was that the hottest looking gay men in Miami were all the ones who were sick. Mm. Right. So that part of this is cultural. Part of this is historical. Like we, I talked about this in one of my podcasts actually is that pre HIV and AIDS, there was a particular look to gay men, a particular body image and, you know, there was a lot more body hair and it was kind of this, uh, Marlboro man, sort mm-hmm. of the, the cowboy hat, very rough, big mustache. Think, think Tom Selleck. Yeah, exactly. From, uh, his show. Yeah. Whatever Magnum that was called. P.I. Magnum, Magnum P.I. P.I. So hot. Yeah. And then, you know, AIDS hit and then suddenly everything changed and, you know, representations of the gay male body, pornography was mm-hmm. a big place that you would see that. So suddenly men were shaved. There wasn't a pubic hair to be found, and that was the clean look. Clean lines, almost surgical. It's like, well, if you're clean and if you're buff and there ain't a hair on you, so there can't be anything that looks dirty, it's like, well, then you therefore must be healthy. So we've had this imagery change of how our body is to be represented to us and medium to, and and what's to be considered accepted. Then we've got the problem of diet culture. Then we've got, you know, which hits all of us, and that's a multi-billion dollar industry that says... (laughs) You're fat. Mm. And then even you'll get uh, thirst traps on Instagram. And there was a little meme that was going around a little while ago. It's like this um, um, very handsome man, um, you know, flat stomach. And it says something like, it's like, well, I'm fine in the straight community, but in the gay community, I'm fat because I don't have a six pack. Mm. All right. So is it a gay male thing specifically? No, but this is something that hits all of us Mm -hmm. regardless of how we fit in with gender or sexuality. And it's a big capitalist behemoth that is controlling the way we think. Well, on that note, (laughs) on that note, let's take a break. We'll be right back. Bill seven to ban discrimination in employment, government services and housing based on a person's sexual orientation, was up for a vote at Queen's Park. Most NDP and Liberal MPPs supported the bill, but without some progressive conservative legislators backing, a divisive split could rack the province. Four PCs decided to break party ranks to vote with their conscience and support Bill 7. Cabinet Minister and MPP Dennis Timbrell did it to show solidarity for his beloved brother, the well-known drag queen, Rusty Ryan. And for me, 
a gay politician who was not yet out, I had to take a stand. We were known as the Gang of Four. I'm former Cabinet Minister and MPP Phil Gillies. The date, December 2nd, 1986, when LGBT rights came to Ontario. Look who I have here. It's entertainer and trans activist Sheikha Dediva. How you doing, girl? Fabulous. Thank you. How you doing, Mark? I'm doing well. It, you have you have a burning question. I know that you're just burning to ask me, so go ahead. I need to know, how do we get in touch with you? Well, thank you for asking. You're welcome. People can get in touch with me on social media, at Mark Tara Music, on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn even, at Mark Tara Music. If you have an idea for the show, if you want to be on the show, you know someone who should be on the show, get in touch with me or send me an email, mark at marktara.com. Fabulous. My name is Charles Officer, and I'm the writer and director of Invisible Essence, The Little Prince. You're listening to Rainbow Country with Mark Tara on CIUT 89.5 FM. You're also a publisher. I am. Think Queerly. What is Think Queerly? And there's like a dash. Yeah. Like you took out the I. Uh, so Medium is the main online sort of uh, social platform for writers and publications. And so I have a publication there. It's an, on Medium language. I'm called the owner um, or the publisher. And I wrote it th dash capital I Inc. So think queerly. So it's a play on thinking more critically, thinking more clearly. Mm. And the fact that I think sometimes writing by hand and uh, the, one of the pictures I have is using a fountain pen because, you know, this connection between hand and brain and really working out thoughts. So there's a few plays just cute and it's mostly for me the title but <laughs> yeah but you have a background in publishing working for publications yeah in um uh, how what did i do this from 1993 to 2004 i worked for uh, pink triangle press and i was in ottawa at the time mm -hmm. uh, i was uh, just finishing up or still seeing if i could finish my masters at carleton university and capital extra magazine uh just launched and i started volunteering and working there and a couple of years later i moved to toronto and so I was a bit involved with the publication, but it was more so I wound up managing the uh, primarily gay, the adult telephone entertainment system, what predates online mm -hmm. dating and, and dating apps. So as you called into the phone to hopefully meet someone else yeah, or yeah. look for a long-term relationship. Well. Yeah. <laughs> I know them intimately. So I did that and you, I, I, I was, I was, Got, I guess my first foray into writing a little bit for an online publication way back then, but I wasn't quite yet as uh, 
I'm a good writer. I wouldn't say I'm a brilliant or exceptional writer. Mm-hmm. Um, one has to look at their own work and go, it's like, I've got a message. So I'm not too worried about it being, but I don't think I was as good a writer or really knew what I was writing about like 20 years ago. Whereas now I do. And when I came across medium as a platform, um, I had an idea for a personal growth publication and I just called it think. And then a month later I realized, no, this is think queerly. And mm. I want to actually open this up to other writers. And, um, that's how that started. So that's, that's the unique thing about medium. You can, you can just have your own profile and, and, and write articles or submit them to other uh, publications that are mm. online. But then I came up with a, a more, um, proactive, political, somewhat in your face, um, magazine for LGBTQ people, uh, to come in and, and you know, share their personal stories, talk about social justice, mm-hmm. current political issues and that sort of thing. So is it downloadable as well? Uh, no, it's just, it's just online. Yeah. I so, mean, you, there's an app that you can put on your phone and you can browse and read. And so how can people find your, your particular magazine? For that one, I got a independent URL. So you can just do think queerly.com oh, great. and find it. Um, so do you have to spell think th dash? No, I mean, it, if I was to give you the medium URL, then yes, you would. So that's what thinkqueerly.com will just redirect you. Okay, perfect. Yeah. But I can also give you the exact links for, for show notes if thinkqueerly. you want. Thinkqueerly.com. Thinkqueerly.com. Yeah. That's all people need to know. Yeah. So Darren Steele, you are a gay man. Mm-hmm. When you first begin to recognize that consciously for yourself. Were you um, a young kid? Was there like a seminal moment, like a flashpoint for you where you started recognizing that, you know what, I'm attracted to men and not women? Mm, five. Mm. I've, I think I've known as long as I can remember. Um, and so why did you, you said it, why did you stay in the closet for however many years that you did? Well, I'm 53, so I was born in 1965. Um, I grew up mostly in the Mississauga area. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, my parents were great. They're, my parents are both alive, and I had a very balanced upbringing between the masculine and the feminine. Um, but at that time, like growing up in the 70s and into the early 80s, mm-hmm. There wasn't, there wasn't an internet. There wasn't an online. Mm. I, I was in my head. I didn't know anyone else was gay. I didn't know, I didn't see any representation of who I was on television. And back then we only had a black and white television. That's how old I am. (laughs) Um, and I know that there was one other gay man, uh, when I was in high school and he was like, completely effeminate, a queen. Mm-hmm. And we talked about this earlier. It's like, it was this torture within me because I knew, but I could not be seen near him. But I do remember. Because you did not want to be associated. Yeah, but yeah. we did actually sort of become friends and we mm-hmm. hung out a couple times at his place. I remember playing like a Casio game, you know, that back and forth ping pong, like okay. the old joysticks, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. oh my God, nothing ever happened. But I, I, I don't remember, I wish I could remember more of that kind of minimal friendship I had with him. Mm-hmm. But it was finally in 1984, after I graduated high school, where I came out to all of my friends. I actually came out to one just at the very end and her name was Susan and she was my date for the prom. And I felt so bad 
that I told her, I said, I don't think I can take you after I'd already confirmed because like I'm gay. And she's like, that's fine. I don't care, but I don't have a date. You're coming and you're taking me. <laughs> I was like, that was that. <laughs> then we moved on from there. Yeah. So you came out after high school? Yeah. I started coming out to my friends. I think I came out to my parents, uh, if not around that time, then maybe, yeah, probably around that time as well. Um, for me, it was that transitioning moment out of high school where I was pretty much a loner. Um, mm. I was kind of like that skinny, scrawny kid who was definitely, I wasn't called queer that often or anything, but I would, I would, people knew I was different somehow mm. that I didn't fit in and I wasn't very athletic and I was always the last kid picked on the team and mm. I didn't do very well at school either. I had a lot of challenges learning. Mm. Um, and, then finally in grade 13, I had this core group of friends. It just felt like back then, like the movies that came out then were St. Elmo's Fire and like the Big Chill. Mm -hmm. And we all went to go see those and we all sort of saw ourselves like in that mm -hmm. kind of, I never had that. And that whole time, it's like, I can't lose this. I can't lose that. That's why I waited until after. And then mm -hmm. after everybody was like, oh, I wish you had told us we could have... But you don't know when you're in your head and there's no representation yeah. like what we have now. Yeah. Um, I found out two years later after I went to Carleton University that there were like um, Toronto area gays or something. It was a telephone helpline you could call and you mm. could talk about like and be able to say, hey, I think I'm gay. I don't mm. know. Where was that advertised? There was yeah. the body politic yeah. uh, part of Pink Triangle Press, but that wasn't in the Mississauga uh, like corner store. Yeah. yeah, but now you're in a relationship. How long? Yeah, uh, we're going on uh, our anniversary will be eight years this September. Eight years. Yeah. Are you married? No. Are nope. you interested in marriage? No. <laughs> Both did of you, us. So here's so here's yeah. the thing. Growing up, did you? have aspirations to be married? <sighs> you know, I don't, I don't think so. I'm not sure if my, my thoughts changed on that at one point, mm -hmm. but I think early enough at university, I started to become political and, um, that was also not maybe third or fourth year, um, queer nation was happening as a break off from act up and queer nation sort of opened up some chapters. I helped open the local chapter in Ottawa. And I was, for me, I was seeing all of that as just tradition reinforcement of the, the hegemony, the patriarchy, and just, and I, I left religion when I was 15 and 16, mm -hmm. I left my like Catholic upbringing and, I didn't want to have any part of it. I didn't, I wanted to forge a life where you didn't have to be married. Right. You didn't need that standing up in front of like 500 people. But now same sex marriage mm -hmm. is legal, has been for like over 10 years now. Mm -hmm. So you being in a relationship of eight years yeah. or so, have you, it's, it's irrelevant. Neither of us, we're, we're both on the same page politically. Mm -hmm. We see, uh, marriage as an institution as as for us highly problematic mm -hmm. we will probably look at something from a legal perspective just for protections for each other mm -hmm. like you know we both have loving families but it's always a case of 
when something goes wrong, do you, do you know what those things are yeah. for, I mean, across from the windows, like I have a tattoo on the inside of my arm that the two of us have of just a, like a stick figure with its hands up in the sort of like happiness with a heart. And that is the closest thing we'll ever have to rings. Okay. And because it's, it's a symbol mm-hmm. as is a ring, but of the silliness and the joy and the laughter that the two of us have being together. Mm-hmm. Um, by choice and not that we would just like take off because we didn't have the confines of a particular piece of paper. Uh, but we have what we feel for ourselves is enough. So if other people want that, right, that's great. And they should have it. Mm. Um, it's just not for you. It's just not for yeah. us. Yeah. What's that? What's yeah. that? So Darren Steele, how can people find out more about you, your podcast, your, your life coaching, your mm-hmm. publications? Where can they go to? One of the best places go directly to my website, which is uh, darrensteel.com, and that's D-A-R-R-E-N-S-T-E-H-L-E.com. And then, you know, there's the information about working with me. There are links out to uh, Think Queerly as well. Um, primarily, uh, my, my blog section is probably 90% my podcast, mm-hmm. and then 10% I'll actually write an article mm-hmm. um, when I'm going into something more deeply. But everything is there. Well said. Yeah. Darren Steele, thanks for your time. Thanks for being on the show. Oh, thank you. I had a lot of fun and I really appreciate the questions. I'm Sandra Urianth. And I'm Danny Bensey. And you're listening to Rainbow Country with Mark Tara on CIUT 89.5 FM. Spotlight on LGBTQ life coach Darren Steele. And I'm just going to repeat his uh his website, his website address, darrensteel.com. And Steele is S-T-E-H-L-E. Darrensteel.com. Get social. Get interactive on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook at Mark Tara music. The podcast for Rainbow Country is on iTunes, Podomatic.com, Google Play Music, Stitcher Radio, and on Spotify. So get Rainbow Country for free wherever you get your favorite podcasts. And of course, everything is hooked up at my website, including the full two-hour episodes. You'll find that under the the archives banner at marktara.com. Com. Next week, multi-Juno Award winner from Love, Inc., Simone Denny. Finally, I want to take this time to thank you for taking your time to be with me. Remember, we live in days of making dreams come true. So believe in yourself, and the world will believe in you. This is DJ Kristen and Desiree Fawn of Dance Loud. You are listening to CIUT 89.5 FM. Mm-hmm.